there, and welcome to Dr. Me First. I'm your colleague in medicine and your coach in life, Dr. freaking Aaron Wiseman. This is a summer showcase episode, and if you don't know what it is or haven't listened to any other ones, this is where I am spotlighting a fellow member of the Doctors Podcast Network. One, it's to show you that there are other amazing physician podcasts out there and they are becoming my friends. And two, it's giving me and my team a break over the summer because I think it's so super important that we walk our talk, that if I'm telling you to take rest and to take breaks and to make more space in your life, I gotta freaking do it too. So sit back, relax, listen to this episode, and don't you worry, I am coming back 100%. After this break, there's gonna be so much more Aaron sass, I'm not even gonna know what to do with it all. All right, well, let's get into the episode. No one wants to feel unwell or feel like there's a better way of living, but it's just out of reach. When it comes to your health, you need better solutions, not band-aids. Holist is here for you. Hello, hello, my Holist tribe. Welcome to the Curate Your Health podcast, where I, Dr. Heather Hammerstedt, interview experts in the fields of food and exercise, mindset, empowerment, leadership, and more. As you all know, I'm a passionate lifestyle medicine doctor, meaning that I use the evidence behind food and sleep and mindset to prevent and reverse disease with a goal for long-term sustainable health skills and a side effect of weight loss. So I'm especially excited to talk to today's expert, Michael Collins, on this hugely important topic, sugar addiction. So Michael, hi and welcome. Well, hi, Heather. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So everybody, let me introduce you to Michael. He is the founder of sugaraddiction.com and board chairman of the Food Addiction Institute. He has been completely sugar-free for over 30 years and has worked closely with others to help them regain lives ravaged by this addictive product. He's raised two children sugar-free from the womb to six years old and when they only had sugar once a month for their entire childhood. And his book, The Last Resort Sugar Detox, was rated number one on healthy living on Amazon and is free in the United States for download. So definitely go check that out. So what a great message. And I'm so looking forward to nuggets of wisdom from my tribe here. So let's dig in. Tell us a little bit about you, your story, and your why. Why? Yeah, well, my why is probably my mom, my favorite sugar junkie who... uh probably had every metabolic syndrome disease that exists, I think, or all of them, or close to all of them. And uh, she was my, you know, the, the beginning of all of this, she was a sugar junkie and she had a stash. And honestly, for my mother, it was, uh, sugar was truly love. And, and she grew up in that era. There was no science about it. Nobody talked about it. Nobody thought about it. And sugar was a sweet thing to do for children and people. And it, just, it was part of her life. And in the end, you know, she just couldn't quit the stuff and it was kind of sad. But, you know, as kids, we grew up as uh, I think most people of our age, we, you know, had a lot of sugar. I mean, all kinds. And back in the day, we didn't have a lot of money. So we would make bread and butter and sugar sandwiches. We had complete access, unfettered access to the sugar bowl, which tells you something. I mean, my mother did not even say one word in our entire childhood about how much sugar you're putting on your cereal. If you didn't scrape up half an inch, 
uh, quarter of an inch in with the milk at the end of the meal, uh, you didn't put enough sugar on there. And Kool-Aid was supposed to be one cup of sugar in the thing, and we put two or three in. So it was just a lot of sugar. And what I didn't realize at that time period was I was changing my state. And that's this is a I think you are probably, your tribe is probably advanced enough to kind of follow this logic. There's a great YouTube video that your folks would love on uh, Amazon, or on Amazon, <laughs> on YouTube um, with Eric Clapton. And Eric was being interviewed in 60 Minutes by Ed Bradley. And Ed Bradley says to him, they're sitting in his uh, $7 million Antigua treatment center that Eric had put up for people recovering from drug addiction. And he says, Eric, so this all started with heroin, right? And he said, no, Ed, it started with sugar. And Ed says quizzically, sugar? He says, yeah, I would eat bread and butter sandwiches when I was five years old. It would change my state. And it was just, it's just such an awareness that he's evolved over time in treating alcoholics and helping in that world that eventually the same thing happened to me. You know, by the time I was 13 or 14, you know, the, the sugar just didn't work well, okay? I, and this is something that I want to remind folks, this is not something anyone's ever doing consciously. This is not something anyone uh, learns to do or there's a class about it or anything. You don't even learn it from your peers about drinking or smoking pot. This is something that is just a staple of society. And people think because it's ubiquitous and free, and culturally, you can give it to a one-year-old with no moral or ethical repercussions that this is life, right? And in reality, it's not life, right? It's a substance, a toxic, a neurotoxin that affects the dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, GABA, even your adrenals. And so my story, fast forward, yeah, I, got, I, I drank and partied and that was a lot of fun, but I got sober when I was 28. And during that time, after that time period, I basically reverted to sugar, which a lot of recovering folks do. They give up sugar and they substitute smoking, caffeine, sugar, flour. They gain a lot of weight, right? Um, because you have to have a similar substance. You've developed a self-soothing, a self-care process that is actually a self-soothing process that involved a ubiquitous drug that was available everywhere, mostly free around your house. And it was, um, you know, and now you, you don't have it anymore. You're not using the sugar, you're not using the alcohol or drugs. So you revert back to the sugar. And that's what happened to me. And so about three years in, I realized that this is a problem. I was just, you know, thin athletic guy, I was gaining weight, pimples all over my face. Um, you know, brain fog all the time. I was like waking up hungover, basically. And so I started studying. I read a book called Sugar Blues. I don't know if you guys have read that or heard of it. Yeah, you've heard of it. So, um, so Sugar Blues was written by a guy named William Duffy. And Duffy's at a party one time. And he's putting two lumps of sugar in his coffee. And uh, this voice from behind us goes, I wouldn't have that stuff in my house, let alone my body. And it, the, he knew the voice. The voice was Gloria Swanson, the famous movie star, right? So he eventually married Gloria Swanson. And then they went on a tour uh, with this book and, and popularized the book, Sugar Blues. And it, I just, I was just falling. I just, I, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the history, the understanding, what, what they had understood way back in the 70s. Um, it was rewritten in the eight or 
republished in the 80s. But I mean, and from there, I've basically been sugar-free for 30 years. And we raised two sugar-free kids. 10 years ago, I grabbed the domain sugaraddiction.com. I've been teaching it ever since. And in the early days, I would give a lot of great information and that kind of stuff. But no one, a lot of people didn't, you know, actually quit this stuff. It wasn't but the last three or four years where I started coaching and online forums and that kind of stuff that people actually started to change the habits around sugar. And I want to mention that in the last five years, the brain science has really accelerated. And this is really where I focus. Coming from an addiction and addictive and recovery background, most people focus on the health and the insulin and the diabetes and all that. And all that stuff's important. But it's not important as to why you cannot quit or why you keep being drawn back to it. That has to do with the dopamine and the brain chemicals and the brain reward systems that are being manipulated manually day in and day out by toxic loads of sugar, upwards of 150 pounds a year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so thanks for that story. I, I, uh, the way that I talk about um, food addiction, which generally is, you know, highly palatable foods that are made by you know, a bunch of guys in lab coats, <laughs> so that right, they're just, exactly. just perfectly addictive, um, which is, you know, higher in fat, um, higher processing, more refined, more sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, those foods uh, do, in fact, when they look at functional MRIs, affect your brain the same way that heroin and uh, gambling and these other kind of higher risk activities. And when I talk to my patients and to my coaching clients about this Uh, we're talking about that dopamine reward system and the fact that uh, as you were alluding to is like buffering things that we don't want to deal with, with Mm. something that provides us with that dopamine rush, which is a neurotransmitter that makes you feel good, right? It's a reward. Mm -hmm. And so we all need that in some way. Most of us have found a way to buffer things we don't really want to feel <laughs> with, mm-hmm. um, with something. And it's going to be different for all of us. And that's why I think people replace uh, something with something else, right? When you get off alcohol, you get onto sugar. Um, some people, you know, gamble. Some people, it's sex. Some people, it's drugs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, as with anything with dopamine, you build a tolerance up to it. And so you need more and more. And additionally, you end up having um, less and less um, of the positivity that comes with it, and you continue to do things despite negative consequences. And mm. that's kind of the definition of addiction when it comes down to it, as you well know. And so it's like either, you know, it's either we're doing it with one thing, we're doing it with another. And so, um, yeah, I mean, sugar is legal, right? Um, mm. And it gives, you, it gives you a lot of spunk um, until it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, yeah. absolutely. And it's, a, it's interesting. I'm always uh, seemingly preaching to the choir a lot with uh, the people that the podcast that I go on, but it's so true. And, and it's so, I think, how should I say it? It's absent from the literature of the $67 billion diet industry, right? There's yeah. no mention that the possibility exists that a psychoactive drug has hijacked your brain and your dopamine systems. And Every diet worth its the paper it's printed on has uh, quit the white stuff, you know, flour and sugar. And but this part of it doesn't seem to me, you know, they got this calories in, calories out crap. They've got exercise this, exercise that, diet this, diet that. But no one takes this approach, if you will, this tact. And it's pretty simple to explain to recovering people. But it's seemingly 
difficult to explain to the general public, or maybe denial comes in, you know what I mean? Maybe they just don't want to hear it, right? So it's kind of hard, and I don't, and I think the only way to do it is a grassroots movement like this to keep repeating this message. Yeah, well, I mean, so what I kind of uh, alluded to this at the beginning, but you know, what what I do with Holist is we, um, we're working towards fixing the hormonal dysregulation that ends up with metabolic disease. And it turns mm. out that choosing what you eat, when you eat, and why you're eating mm -hmm. can do that. And it affects probably 80% of our chronic diseases are preventable. Yeah. Um, but it also ends up that that is how people do sustainably manage their weight. And that's because you're fixing the hormonal problem. We're not just telling people what not to eat. We're talking to them about what we're talking about, why most importantly, and rethinking the thoughts that we have um, about what we deserve and, and how we reward ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why um, most diets do fail is because they just tell people what not to eat. They don't get to any of the other kind of big picture stuff. Well, the recidivism rate's insane, right? Yeah. 95% of people that lose any amount of weight, large amounts, small amounts, 100 pounds, they, they gain it all back in the first year, right? Oh, plus five and pounds. So, yeah. yeah, plus five pounds, <laughs> plus 10 pounds, right? But yeah. they do not equate this, and I've seen it so many times because we have so many people in the forums and stuff, that people, they show up, they come back 50 pounds you know, up from the last time they were there. And it always starts with one little this, that, the other. And yeah, the difficult point. part is the abstinence part, okay? So folks just cannot yet buy into the idea that abstinence is a, is a palatable lifestyle, that they're able to absolutely have zero sugar or zero flour in their life. And the people, the third of people who are metabolically incapable of processing this drug without the 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 symptoms we all know about, the metabolic diseases and the, and the cravings and the weight gain and that kind of stuff, you can't outrun that. And it's not possible. It's like an alcoholic. It's very similar. Uh, you wouldn't tell an alcoholic just to have a couple of beers once in a while. It just doesn't work. And that is a harsh message. And really, I'd hate being the guy that has to deliver it. But over the last three or four years, I've come to know that it has to get out. That message has to get out. Yeah, it's, um, it's teaching people life skills, uh, but it's also teaching them that it's not about willpower. Right. And so I often say it's not willpower. You can't, you can't trick your body out of something like this, but it is skill power. And mm. that's what you're talking to people about. That's what I'm talking to people about. It's figuring out what is your real internal motivator about what you want your life to be. Mm -hmm. um, and if you have that instead of a number on the scale or whatever it is that your goal is, then that sustainability becomes easier. And you can, especially if you're working on getting out of that scarcity mindset, which is what you're talking about is like when people are like, sure, I'll restrict myself for like 30 days and like go no sugar. And like, what does that really get you? You feel better for the last two weeks, probably once you've detoxed a little yeah. bit. Right. But, <laughs> right, right, right. but if you, but if you don't get out of that scarcity mindset and realize that this is just like life, Mm. Um, then it's not going to make um, that big of a difference in the long run, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you're talking some interesting concepts and uh, constructs in this that um, even the nutritionists, and, well, even more so the eating disorder folks and some of the people in the treatment centers and that kind of stuff, they talk about this idea of restricting one food product 
as a bad thing, right? And they just are not up to speed on the idea of the addiction concept of sugar and flour, that they do not assign or ascribe or will not assign or ascribe the psychoactive brain chemical manipulation power, the addictive power of these substances. They just will not do it. So they believe it some way, because it's in our food system today, that it is a food and that people can, coming back from anorexia or bulimia or binge eating disorder, can moderate this product, right? And I just, you know, all the MDs and PhDs on my board, the people that own treatment centers who are follow this construct, they just don't believe it. It's just not true. Um, people who show a propensity or a sensitivity to this biochemically, to this product, are just not able to do a moderation lifestyle. It's not something that's a, a plausible option. And that is a big stretch for people to go when all they wanted to do was lose a couple pounds, you know? When, you're, when you come in at 100, 200, 300 pounds overweight, you're willing to accept the idea a little bit. But when you only wanna lose a little bit of weight, and a lot of my folks come in, they are not obese, so they're not really heavy but they are truly genuinely addicted to sugar, right? Yeah. And, and they get all the other metabolic stuff, the bad skin and the brain sure. fog and all that other stuff. Yeah. And as they get older, they get diabetes. And yeah, yeah. So give us some um, kind of three or four of your biggest tips for practical, um, you know, practical sugar addiction, um, how to get through it. Things that people can implement in their life today. Yeah, no, that's a good question. And, and, and you mentioned a little bit of it. <clears throat> Physically, it's kind of a bear the first two weeks or three weeks. It's, there's a lot of withdrawal symptoms that are very real. Um, you're going to feel weepy and depressed and lethargic and starving all the time. That starving goes away. That growling stomach goes away. These things go away because they are simply withdrawal symptoms. And then when we get to be an adult, we're really just fending off withdrawal symptoms. We're not really ingesting, well, we're ingesting to stop the withdrawal so we don't have to go through it during our meeting or the childcare or whatever. Uh, we don't have to want to feel irritable or depressed or lack energy or that kind of stuff. And you got to get through that. And the other side of that is kind of a pink cloudish thing where you feel so good physically, that you think you got this, right? You think, ah, oh, this is no problem. I can have one, I can have a little, right? But that just goes, sends you right back down the rabbit hole. So the thing is, is to understand the pattern, right? It's just pattern recognition. And like an assembly line, I've been able to see this over and over and over again. So if people would just get with some folks who have done it before, who have actually, um, gone a year, uh, stayed off at a year, 90 days or more, right? A true peer-to-peer, -peer, I'm really literally bringing the peer-to-peer -peer recovery of, um, reco of alcohol and drug recovery to this, to this problem, if you will, because this needs an inordinate amount of support. People think they can do it alone. They just cannot. That's been proven over and over and over again. You have to have... Because when you're in your, in your family, when you're at your work, when you're here, they're going to say, ah, oh, Heather, put the record book away. You've lost 30 pounds. You can have a birthday cake. Blah. And it's not they're not doing it maliciously. They're doing it 
because they want you to stay in their tribe. You know, they want they they feel that if you're going to be that different, something might happen to you, right? And and they're just not. There's never going to be unless you plug in and, and actively seek out that group, there's never going to be a group of people right directly around you in your family or your work or social situation who's going to understand where you've come about sugar in your life, where you've researched about sugar in your life. And so the one main thing that trumps it all is overarching of it all is you have to be a little bit of a pioneer. You have to be um, you have to be able to think for yourself, research for yourself, be willing to um, go against the grain right now because we're, we're in the early days here. Or more, maybe even more importantly than researching yourself is finding that group of people or that coach, right, that can right. Um, teach it to you, hold you accountable, implement it into your own life instead of just kind of, you know, Sometimes there's analysis by, you know, paralysis by analysis where you're just like mm. gathering tons of information and not doing anything. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah sure. that's great. Good. What's another tip? Well, I mean, again, I'm a, I think people would call me a little loosey goosey a little bit because I don't like to box people in, you know, I think people can do this on a vegetarian diet, a keto diet. Uh, there's a lot of ways to do it. I, one of the things people always ask for is, can I have the menu and the exercise plan? You know? Exactly. That's they what everyone asked me too. <laughs> yeah, right? They want the food plan, like the recipe books. Um, I know one of the most famous sugar educator, you know, abstinence educators on the planet swore she would never write a cookbook, right? But her first book was very famous, and so she had to write a cookbook because that's what the <laughs> publishers want, you know. And that's what everybody wants. They want a cookbook. They want recipes. They want the exercise. And I'm here to tell you, you don't need any of that stuff. I mean, you just have to be abstinent of the products that are processed into drugs. And so um, – and that's it. You don't have to exercise at all. This is the craziest thing that people just really don't get. Like, you don't have to exercise at all, and you will fall to a normal weight. It helps. And I recommend it for the brain chemical stimulation, yeah. similar to a runner's high, um, just a regular walk or yoga or even a hug or a swim or something. It will help you um, recalibrate your down-regulated dopamine receptors, right? And so... Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I'm, I'm, you can help me maybe because you've probably been through this and, and I struggle daily with getting this message out and trying to ask people or trying to inform people that there's really no magic to it. The magic is abstinence from flour and sugar. These, that, that it's crossing over the bridge, forgetting about the stigma of the word addiction now in the substance use disorder world. They don't call it addiction anymore. They call it substance use disorder because of, because of the stigma. But if they can cross over the bridge, forget about addiction, and just open their mind enough, open their mind a little bit to maybe accept the possibility that something that's been processed into a crystalline form or a powder form no longer bears any resemblance to food, and it really truly is a drug, and that now in the last five years, that psychoactive drug is operating on your brain chemicals, making you feel a little bit better. And it's so subtle, so perfect, so beautiful, that when you withdraw, you feel the exact opposite. What goes up must come down. So you feel irritable, not relaxed, not calm. You feel 
nasty a little bit because you're getting, you know, you're, you're reversing. There's a great book out about drugs and alcohol. It's like what goes up must come down. And so now you're trying to recalibrate it during uh, withdrawals or de uh, detox or what have you. And you got to get to the other side of that. And when you get to the other side of that, 30, 60, 90 days, you're going to feel better than you ever felt in your whole life. And you're going to be, it's going to be weird. And strangely enough, you're going to want to fall back to the devil you know. And the devil you know means that at every up celebration, you're ingesting a drug, flour and sugar, that makes you even feel better. And so it's a vicious, enculturated cycle that needs to be looked at in a different way. It needs to be reframed in a different way. So, yeah, it's yeah a, I mean, and to get to abstinence, it's mindset work, right? I mean, it's all, yeah. it's figuring out the way that our thoughts are, the way that our neurons connect about, you know, our experiences yeah. and how we've rewarded ourselves in the past. It's identifying what those thoughts are that aren't serving you, um, figuring out how to make new, like, thought train tracks, <laughs> sort of, about, about what we do. I mean, it's all neuroplasticity. It's all mindset work, and it takes a lot of work. Right. Um, it takes a lot of insight. Um, sometimes you don't understand uh, what that work and insight is and needs to be until you're off of it, until you're off of the sugar. And then you can start to understand. That's why having a community, having a coach, something like that to get you through those first few weeks until you can actually get at the mindset work is, is pretty, um, pretty ideal. Yeah, uh, no, you're bringing up a great point and the mindset work really kicks in after the physical withdrawals. Yeah. Because yeah. that's when people, that's when their recidivism happens. That's when people fall back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And when you talk about um, the meal plans and the exercise plans, it just makes me laugh a little bit because it is true. Like that's what people come and they want from me. And I'm constantly saying like, I'm not going to do that work for you because mm -hmm. if I give you 12 weeks of meal plans and exercise plans, you're going to do all of it. You're going to have success. And then what happens when I'm not sending them to you anymore? Right. Like my goal is to like work myself out of a job, which means that I need to like yeah. teach you the skills that you need within your own life about how to get off of processed foods. And right. in our conversation here, sugar um, to create an opportunity to understand the what and the when and the why of like how you're fueling your body and living your life and showing up in the world for yourself. You know, sure. So um, there yeah. is a lot. Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing that up because there is a lot of mindset to this. And I don't want to go all Tony Robbins on people. I don't want to, you know, I, I don't see myself, but you have to have a bigger life, a why, a reason, yeah. a life that you're moving towards that is larger than the one you're leaving in order to succeed. Absolutely. 100%. And that's cognitive behavioral therapy. And that's coaching right there. I mean, that's what yeah. you do is you figure out where you are, where you want to go and, and ask someone to help you find the process uh, to get there. So yeah, that's really awesome. Well, thank you, Michael, so much for your commitment, your passion, your expertise and your mission. Uh, we're happy to have you in the Holist tribe as one of our collaborators and experts. Um, please tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and online and more about where they can find your book. Yeah, just go to Amazon. It's the uh, Last Resort Sugar Detox. And uh, uh, we're at sugaraddiction.com. Uh, if you put sugar addiction into uh, Facebook, we're the largest page on Facebook in sugar addiction. And um, so, yeah, we're out there on the, on the interwebs. You can find us. Um, I always tell folks that, you know, we got quizzes and videos and information and blog posts and everything on the site. Um, 
But if you make your way to sugaraddiction.com by whatever method, a podcast, a search engine, a fa- you know, social media, you probably don't need to take the quiz. You're probably, you're pro- you're probably, <laughs> you're probably need, already there. <laughs> you're probably already there. Awesome. Well, as always, you can find our network experts at holisthealth.com. You can follow me at Holist Health on Instagram and Facebook. We have a public Facebook group that's Holist Curate Your Health Facebook group where we crowdsource all sorts of information around topics in lifestyle medicine. So until next time, tribe, who you choose to be matters. You are valuable. You are worth this and you are your whole you. Take care. Hey, are you tired of going at it alone? Well, friend, you don't have to anymore. Come sit with me. I want you to know that it's okay if you need to take a break. It's okay if you need to talk about some real crappy things. It's okay. You're not the first to feel like this, and you don't have to stick it out and be miserable. There is a way out, and there's a whole movement of fierce females in your corner. If you want to come sit with me and be in my community, you will not see me in Facebook groups. I freaking hate Facebook with a deep and fiery passion. (laughs) But what you can do is come over to Aaron Wiseman's Badass Collective on Slack. Because guess what? Once a badass, always a badass. And this isn't anything that's paid. It's not anything that I'm like throwing huge promos at you. It is simply a community where I am trying to get people together in the same space so that we can have these kind of conversations safely and in a protected manner that you feel so loved on. It's the whole purpose. So click in the show notes, get over to the Slack group. We do have some community rules. But, you know, that's just how it goes. But I would love to see you in there. I am in there almost every single day having real conversations, posting crazy pictures of my kids and gifts, all that good stuff. And I want you in there, too. So come on over. Come sit with me. I just want to give a big thank you to all our participants in the summer showcase. You guys are awesome. Thank you for coming on Dr. Me First, for helping me have time and space in my schedule. And I hope you, the listeners, enjoy hearing from some different voices. So go outside, enjoy your summer, and remember your life, your calling, your pulse matters. <laughs>